The following program is created for informational purposes only and does not constitute as medical advice. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host. If you think you may have a medical emergency, consult your doctor. This is where the healing begins. This is Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne of Greenwood Family Chiropractic, where it's not only about neck and back pain, but a place for whole body wellness. Listen this hour as Dr. Leanne is here to share her wellness education to help you live a maximized life. For more information, visit GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. Here's Dr. Leanne. Good morning and afternoon. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, Greenwood Family Chiropractic. 317-893-2853, 317-893-2853, or you can always check us out online, schedule an appointment, greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com. That's greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. Today, today we are talking about, I I had found an article, and it was the future of health and wellness, trends to watch in 2024. (laughs) So I I thought it was kind of interesting, because, you know, I know where we've gone in 2023. I know where I think we're going in 2024. So some of this stuff was really great. I think we've already been to some of these. So I want to extrapolate there are 10 points that they kind of dive down deep into, albeit talking about cold plunges uh, down to older generations showing a renewed interest in fitness or expanding focus on post-workout recovery. So a lot of that stuff that I think is really uh, more about – just like individualized health monitoring technologies, which I am one of those people who have uh, dabbled in some more of the advancement in technology that has been very interesting, honestly. So I'd love to share a little bit more about that. So just really, when we talk about trends, most of what I see are not, I, I kind of agree with, I was a little bit surprised. I feel like the term trend is very fad-ish. And many times when you have a health fad, it's because they're trying to sell you something. <laughs> Which this article, I'm not even going to say where the article came from, um, but I'll kind of filter out some of this stuff. Like, are they trying to sell something? Absolutely. Why are you going to create an article if it's just, I don't think it's sheer education. But that being said, I do agree with a lot of the aspect of the whole thing. So it's just kind of interesting to be like, hi, where are we at? And where do we want to go in 2024? And and there are there ways that we can help get there better. And so before we dive down deep into that, let's talk about some news. Dr. Leanne's Health News. Some studies suggest that too much sugar can literally mess with the brain. Health News now, one of the world's most commonly prescribed medications. Today, the average American consumes 22 teaspoons of sugar a day. Protesters say they just should not be forced to get this shot, not by the government.
for today's Health in the News. We are talking, this is from Life But Better Fitness. Talks about walking could lower your risk of type 2 diabetes and your speed may affect how much, study finds. So they talk about when it comes to walking and the type 2 diabetes risk, it's not just how much you do that helps, it's also how fast you move, according to a new study. Brisk walking is associated with a nearly 40% lower risk of developing type 2 diabetes later in life, according to a study that was published this past week in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. Previous studies have indicated that frequent walking was associated with a lower risk of developing type 2 diabetes in the general population in a way that those with more time spent walking per day were at a lower risk, said the study's lead author, uh, who is a research assistant. Oh, my gosh. This this is so crazy. It's a research assistant at the uh, Social Determinants of Health Resource Center at the Semnan University of Medical Sciences in Iran. (laughs) These names of these research facilities are always wild. Okay, uh, moving back. Prior findings haven't offered much guidance on the optimal habitual walking speed needed to lower diabetes risk, and comprehensive review of the evidence are lacking, the author said. Though the study um, authors reviewed 10 previous studies conducted between 1999 and 2002, which assessed links between walking speed. So they measured by objective time test or subjective reports from participants and the development of type 2 diabetes among the adults from the United States, United Kingdom, and Japan. After following up a period of eight years on average, compared, they compared with easy or casual walking. Those who had walked an average or normal pace had a 15% lower risk of developing type 2 diabetes, the research found. Walking at a fairly brisk pace meant a 24% lower risk than those who easily or casually walked. And the, quote, brisk striding walking had the biggest benefit, which was a 39% reduction in risk. So how that kind of breaks down is that easier casual walking was defined at less than two miles per hour. Uh, Average or normal pace was defined at two to three miles per hour. A fairly brisk pace was three to four miles an hour. And a brisk striding walk was more than four miles per hour. So each kilometer increased in walking the speed above Brisk was associated with a 9% lower risk of developing the disease. So they said that that faster walking may be beneficial isn't a surprise, but the researcher's ability to quantify the speed of walking, especially if someone's like, I did brisk, uh, it's a little bit hard. So they probably have to do it where they actually have them on a treadmill would be my assumption. Um, they also said... The study doesn't necessarily prove cause and effect. One can imagine that the more vigorous exercise could result in being more physically fit, reducing body weight, and therefore insulin resistance, and lowering the risk of diabetes. Here's what I think. I'll finish it up. They said there is a high risk of reversing casualty. Health uh, deficits are more likely to be explained than the observed results. So they basically just said, long story short, we need more controlled trials to confirm, which is cool. But... um, 
It may be true that faster walking is even better, but given the fact that most Americans do not get sufficient walking in in the first place, it's important to encourage people to walk more as they're able to. Um, I do track my steps now, and it is interesting to see how many steps I get in the average day. Now, that being said, here's where when we have always talked about on Maximize Your Life, I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter with Greenwood Family Chiropractic. My thought process is always... Um, that if we can incorporate more hit style training, that is awesome. So let me give you a perfect example. People are like, hey, I'm going to go for a walk. And maybe you're going to walk around the neighborhood or walk around the mall or around the track at the gym or on a treadmill. And I always say, you can do hit style, right? So high intensity interval training. So what does that mean? For example, say you're going for a walk. You might do just a casual walk But then you're going to do more of the striding, brisk, like some may term it mall walking, right? Like you're going to speed up and you can do that for, let's say, 30 or 45 seconds. And then you can go back to kind of a slower pace and then you can increase it and go back down to a slower pace. So you have more of this high intensity interval style, right? So high intensity would be walking fast. Intervals would, you would say, hey, I'm going to do really intense brisk walking for 45 seconds, and then I'm going to do 15 to 20 off. And then back on for 45 seconds, and then I'm going to do 15 to 20 off. What happens is most often that will be one of the effects of helping you burn off excess blood glucose because your muscles are like, hey, I need some fuel and it's going to utilize that, which is why, especially for type 2 diabetes, that is a huge aspect. So maybe someone's not physically active, but maybe they have unmanaged or uncontrolled type 2 diabetes. This is an aspect, especially, you know, after meals, if it's big meals, if it's standard meals, holiday meals, birthday meals, cake meals, regular meals, like that's always one, like go out for a walk. And it doesn't even, it didn't even have necessarily like a time duration. What it looked at more is that the intensity, the speed. So that's one that's very easy. You've got a bad knee, you've got a bad hip, that's okay. So you can increase those strides to whatever you can possibly do, but it will make a very big difference in terms of blood glucose. So increase your speed, get out and walk. When we return, we're going to dive into the future of health and wellness of 2024 trends next. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. We're online with life-changing results and success stories at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. Hear full shows on the podcast link at freedom95.us. Here's Dr. Leanne. Welcome back. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, Greenwood Family Chiropractic, 317-893-2853, 317-893-2853, GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com, GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. Today we are talking about 2024 health trends, the future of health and wellness. Now, I took this article because I was interesting to think what other people think 
our health trends. I kind of see where we've come in 2023, kind of have an idea of where we're going, though everything is subject to change. That's 2020 taught me something. It's have a plan, know it'll change. <laughs> oh, but it's it's interesting to be able to kind of see their takeaway. And I do honestly agree with some of these, which is really great to see because oftentimes some more of these um there was a couple different lists that I had kind of gone through and one was talking about how employers are looking at more preventative, like medicines looking at more preventative and looking at aspects like biomarkers. And it is hard, you will be hard pressed to find someone who's not integrated in functional medicine to talk about biomarkers. And they talked about how these biomarkers can show cancer before it starts, like true preventative care. And I'm like, oh, that's literally what it is. Like the metabolomics isn't going to show if you have cancer. That's not what the test does. It's not a diagnostic or not a diagnostic for cancer. What it will show is that there is a biomarker and that biomarker, if it is high, we know that there is oxidative damage to DNA within a cell. And why we know that that's problematic is because if there's oxidative stress to the DNA inside of a cell, that it causes cell cellular abnormalities. Cellular abnormalities can lead to precancerous cells that can lead to cancerous cells. So it is not a test that says you have cancer or you don't have cancer, but it is a test that says, hi, here's what this says. The DNA is damaged. And we know what happens if DNA is damaged over the course of time. So just kind of cool to see that. And again, back to reference 2020, if it taught us anything is that we're like, man, how come, you know, us as the United States got it so bad? And you're like, man, because you're already sick. And we have normalized the fact that, you know, one in two women, what is it? One in two men and one in three women get cancer. Like we've normalized it. Like, yep, heart disease or cancer. Like five out of six Americans in their lifetime will suffer with heart disease or cancer. And we've totally normalized it. Other industrialized countries throughout the world, that number is closer to one in 20. You know, but we always think, gosh, in the United States, we're just the best. We're the best at everything. And you're like, um, we are like 5% of the world's population, but we're consuming over 75% of the world's pharmaceuticals, right? Like, when do we realize that we're not doing that well? And 2020 was just like, hey, if you already had one of those things, you were more gravely affected by COVID than someone who wasn't. And that's just majority of Americans. So majority of Americans were affected more. And so I, I feel like that's, it kind of forced people's heads to come up and see a little bit more, like we should do something different, which is why I feel like this article was great. So it talks about the uh, holistic health futures integrated with fitness. So they talked about holistic health, which is encompassing the interconnectedness of mind, body, spirit is becoming increasingly intertwined with fitness as people recognize the importance of a more cohesive approach to wellness. They said, um, while traditional fitness that often emphasizes high intensity workout, which literally just talked about the benefit of, um, and achieving specific goals, holistic health encourages individuals to focus on overall well-being. So one of the things that they talked about was an analysis published in 2020 that found that uh, yoga significantly helped improve symptoms for anxiety and depression. I think you get to slow down. It's more mindfulness. 
Uh, physical health benefits, a 2019 study reports that Pilates practice was associated with enhanced flexibility, balance, and muscular endurance, right? And so um, we always talk about physical strength, but oftentimes yoga and Pilates can focus on more mindful movement um, and helps with stress reduction, emotional balance, which I think is great. People always ask me what I think about those things, and I think it's wonderful. Now, if you're asking me as like a personal individual, I am the person who I want to do the HIIT training. I want to get in there. I want to lift heavy things. I want to be in and out in 45 minutes. I want to like have these little like contractured T-Rex arms that are so sore that I can't even like brush my hair when I get out of the shower um, because that's the type of workout that I mentally like. Now, there's other people who hate that and you know, 10 years ago when someone first started, um, when I first started in practice, you know, I'm like, here's what you need to do. Here's, but then people hated it. People absolutely hated it. There's some people that loved it. And so I've come to the decision that one of the best things to do for your health and fitness journey is something that you like. I'm willing to try absolutely anything for me, but just being my overall well-being and what I'm consistent with and what I enjoy is that high-intensity, fast-paced, weightlifting, like that is something I enjoy. And for other people, they think that's the worst. And for the people that I work out with at the gyms that have more of that high-intensity, they probably think, they might think that yoga is worse. Or some people do it all, right? Like some people do yoga and Pilates and that oh like one of the people I work out with it's more of like a high intensity style gym uh, is a Pilates instructor you know so like there's not a right or a wrong but she's moving her body and I think that's really really great when you talk about oxygen in general you know one of the research articles that we talked about was just walking and how that helps reduce the risk of type two just walking briskly slowly regardless or like hey if you're just walking that's really great like just walk right and so you're like what if we integrated some of these other things and it's not like maybe you get once a week maybe you get twice a week sometimes more sometimes less right I was out at the gym (laughs) someone's like when do you go to the gym you know because where I go has classes um and I like the class style some people don't because there's less flexibility than just showing up whenever you want to but I literally want to show up I want you to tell me exactly what to do and I will do it Right. Like, I don't want to be like, is today a back day or a leg day? I'm like, it's a you tell me what to do day and I do it day. <laughs> like, but that's what I like. Right. Like when I was doing the other stuff where I could show up, then it was like, man, I feel like I've just been doing the same exercise for the last six months just on every other day because it's something I like. And I thought I was doing good at. So it's just an aspect of what do you like to do and then do more of that. Another aspect they looked at, which I think is really great, we actually had at one of our conferences, um, Wim Hof. So Wim Hof is a gentleman, um, and he has kind of cold therapy and breathing method. Like his altogether is a method. There is science, there is benefits. But one thing that has made kind of a shift and a trend for this 2023, I feel like already, but moving into 2024, is that cold plunges. So there is a lot of really great, and I'm not going to go into like a whole show about it. If you really want some 
uh, great information. It is very deep. It's a little bit heavier in terms of information. Um, but Wim Hof method, you can just look it up. It's to spell it because it W-I-M, Wim Hof is just H-O-F, the Wim Hof method. Now, this is one that, again, incorporates, but there's so much clinical research, like proof of principle in terms of the Wim Hof method. So a study that was published in 2014 talked about voluntary activation of the sympathetic nervous system that you're um, kind of your like fight or flight uh, and of the innate intelligence. So it talked about how um, lower levels of pro-inflammatory mediators uh, increase plasma, epinephrine levels. So training group was able to activate their sympathetic. They talked about another one who this was published, talked about um, endotoxins, cold therapy and endotoxins. So autonomic and immune system response and inflammation after training. So it's 2015 published. There was one published in 2022, the effects of cold therapy training and breathing exercises on the inflammation response in the human body. Um, so just like mm, so much good stuff that you're like, there is a lot of benefits. Now, if you ever look like cold therapy can mean a whole lot of different things, right? Cold therapy could be like cold water or it could be an ice bath for a period of time. So ranging different studies range from a strengthened immune system, reduced muscle soreness, improved mental health, supporting fat loss, like when you talk about brown fat versus white fat. Um, 2024, they think they're going to come out with even more research. But so it, it, there's lots of different aspects. I feel like it's kind of like intermittent fasting, right? Like if anything, 2022 and 2023, the health trend was intermittent fasting. And some people might say that's a trend, but I still intermittent fast. Like I had lunch today at 1.30, you know, and so I'll have dinner and I'll have like a short uh, consuming window today. That's not, a tr that's not a trend. It's not a fad. It's something I do for my health. Now, with the cold baths, I mean, you could take some that you know, there are thousands of dollars or you can like just take a cold shower. And in reality, maybe that saves you money because your <laughs> water heater is not running as much. Or you can get like little $100 um, plunges too. There's tons of research that you can do, but there is quite a bit to say if you've been thinking about or contemplating cold therapy or cold plunges, that's definitely one to look into further. Another aspect that they look at these trends, which I mean, if you say this out loud, you're gonna be like, that should have always been important. And I agree, is prioritizing the importance of sleep. So they think 2024 is going to be a growing emphasis on its vital role, sleep, in overall health and well-being. This is actually, we um, have recently done a sleep talk in the office, how to better your sleep, albeit through reduction in blue light, how to naturally increase your melatonin. Studies have shown that insufficient sleep is linked to a multitude of health issues, including, not limited to, obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular problems, even a weakened immune system. Notably, there was research that was published in 2022 that emphasizes the important relationship between sleep duration and metabolic health. 
highlighting the role of sleep in regulating appetite and metabolism. So, you know, back to the day, they're like, you don't need sleep. You can sleep when you're dead. Well, the lack of sleep will make you dead faster, <laughs> right? Because when you have on those extra pounds, you know, it's, I think it's, there's, there's just a lot, a lot of say sleep is when your body heals. So when it's like, you know, I only, I, there were, I had this professor, man, I remember his name. I will not use his name. He was in clinical practice, but then did um, like continuing education classes outside. And he was like, yep, I, I go to sleep at 1.30 in the morning and I get up at 4.30 in the morning and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I'm, but, you know, not to think about it, he was a little bit plumper. Um, he was not like the picture of health, but he was like, I do so much. And you're like, <sighs> exercising probably wasn't one of them. You know, and when you're tired, you don't want to exercise. It's just this cyclical. Anyone who knows what I'm talking about, like if you've suffered from insomnia or like if you're a mom or a dad from little kids who you're not getting a proper amount of sleep, if it's just like a season in life that maybe stress is waking you up, there is an important role creating a comfortable sleep environment, cool versus warm, dark versus light, limiting screen times before bed, you know, working out, we're utilizing our sympathetics so we're like let's move activate and your body's like i'm in a period of rest and digest and then you're like okay now immediately i want you to go to sleep <laughs> like you know and having a bunch of little kids all together i have very much um experienced why they uh often with military and foreign countries will use sleep deprivation as like a torture device <laughs> I'm like, no, it's just being a mom for me. <laughs> you know, people are like, you signed up for this. And you're like, I didn't really know what I was signing up for when I did, though. Uh, right? Or like, you knew there'd be a lack of sleep. But you're like, but for how long? And, you know, when you get those little windows and areas of sleep. But this is one where I think this is great. And if there's more aspects to be able to prioritize the importance of sleep, this is not being lazy. But, you know, I've found I've had some... Um, different advancements in technology that helped track my sleep recently. And so if you were to ask me, I've had it for about a year. If you were to ask me before that year, I would say I'm pretty good with five or six hours of sleep. And what I've seen is about seven and a half to eight hours of sleep is what my body requires. My husband, you know, he needs to sleep more, but he can function normally with like not a lot of sleep. I cannot. I cannot. So... It's just kind of interesting what my body thrives best with and what I feel like, oh, I feel good and where I'm at and what those numbers look like. So that's a little bit more of what we're going to talk about when we get back is um, widespread adoption of health monitoring technologies. What is it? What does it mean? And what can it show next? You're listening to Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne. We're online with life-changing results and success stories at GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. This is Maximize Your Life with Dr. Leanne of Greenwood Family Chiropractic. Here's Dr. Leanne.
let you listen to Christmas music and not even talk. You're listening to Maximize Your Life. I'm Dr. Leanne Schluter, Greenwood Family Chiropractic. 317-893-2853. It's 317-893-2853. Or schedule your appointment, greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com greenwoodfamilychiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. Today, we are talking about 2024 health trends, the future of health and wellness. Now, most of these things have been really on point. I think that they've been really good. One thing that I will touch base on that I'm like, AI coaches will boost workout effectiveness. So they think that in 2024, AI coaches, so AI is artificial intelligence, coaches are uh, poised to usher in a new era of fitness training by significantly enhancing workout efficiencies through advanced technology and personalization. Uh, These AI-driven leverage machines, real data analysis, personalized recommendations... (laughs) You're like, this is personalized through a robot computer. And you're like, hmm. I don't know. It's, do, I don't know. It. I just, I don't, it's, it, I clearly don't know, right? Like, that's just the one you're like, how, what does that look? Does it look like it's good? What do you think? And you're like, it's automated, right? Like, and you can ask questions. Now, granted, and people will be like, I use AI to like, I mean, I'm not in high school writing papers or anything, but it's just one of those aspects where you're like, hmm. Like, I'll be like, hi, what's the best verbiage to use if I was going to ask someone this, right? Like, that's what I'm using it for. I'm not like, computer, tell me what's best for my health. And you're like, well, what? What does that look like? Are you on medications? Because that's going to change and alter things. Or, you know, if you have a hip replacement or back surgery or, you know, you have Crohn's disease. Like those are just all things that would change like your workouts. And like I, and here's a really great, um, I have a friend and every time he lifts really heavy, he will, um, like when he bears down, we're pretty sure there's little bacteria hanging out in his intestinal fold because then he has this huge diverticulitis flare and it's typically bacteria. So they give him an antibiotic and you're like, where is it coming from? And they're like, oh, it's just in your intestines. But if you're like, mm, bears down to lift really heavy and you're like, you don't believe me, he's done tons of different things working with uh, me and health professionals. And it's just one of those ones where it's like, man, Maybe back off. And you're like, does your AI coach know that? Like, does your computer, not real person coach, know that when they're personalizing a plan? And you're like, nah. So I'm not on board with that one. That's probably the one that I'm most like, meh. And I probably made that clear when I just stuttered for like the first five minutes. Um, one thing that I do think is really cool, and again, not necessarily specific for 2024, but has been the last year or two, is more of the widespread adoption of health monitoring technologies. So like, what is that? Health monitoring technologies. They are wearable devices and systems designed to track and measure various aspects of an individual's health and well-being. 
So these technologies have become increasingly popular due to their convenience and ability to empower individuals to make a more proactive role in monitoring and optimizing their health. Um, this is one that, I've, like I said, I've had for about a year that I wear and it tracks, it looks at mm, activity. So you can do steps or you can do like an active calorie burn. There's day, daytime stress. So it can kind of look at pretty sure that's based off of your heart rate. It looks at heart rate, heart rate variability. That was something very interesting that I did not track. Heart rate variability reveals how your body responds to training, traveling, and stress. Um, So it kind of looks at not necessarily your heart rate, but it reflects the heart rate's adaptability to different situations and provides insight into stress and overall well-being. So it's actually linked to the autonomic nervous system. So like a higher heart rate variability is associated with rest and digest, your parasympathetics, where lower is um, with stress or illness. So the heart rate variability is really um, the variation in between heartbeats. It's very interesting. It is very interesting to see kind of the change in heart rate variability is when um, like I traveled for like a friend's birthday and was like out of town with no husband and kids going to like a relaxing weekend versus you know it's super interesting like what a glass of two or wine will do to my heart rate variability and I'll tell you that it is does not improve it (laughs) I'm like man I'm not necessarily going to be like oh I'm never going to drink wine again but it was very eye-opening to just see how um how it changed over the course of time um, I also currently have a continuous glucose monitor. <laughs> my husband, we're sitting in the car when I put it on. And so I had my like alcohol swabs and all the things and I'm reading the directions. And honestly, why I put it in the car is like we had a 25 minute drive and I had had it for a couple weeks and I just didn't have the time. I hadn't made the time, just craziness and all the things to just sit down and read the directions on how to put it on. That's, and it's so easy. It's so easy. I could have done it in a couple minutes, but so it gave me some time where the kids weren't jumping on me. Everyone was restrained. I had 25 minutes. And so it's been really interesting as well to see what I eat or drink, stress, activity, what it does to my blood sugar, just kind of all that huge aspect, what happens overnight, my fasting. So I've had it on for probably, I think I've had four in there two weeks each. So probably like two months now. And it has been really, really interesting to just kind of see the shifts and changes Heads up, one of my biggest takeaways right now is that rice really increases it. So I'm like, huh, because I like sushi, you know, but it's just a heads up. And now really increases to me is a little bit more relative to someone who has unmanaged just from the sheer fact that, you know, I'm usually 105 to 110. Let's see, right now I'm 89, right? So really high to me might move it up into like the 120s or the 130s, but that's still like a 30, 40 milligram per deciliter spike. So 140, again, is not anything that you would consider diabetic, but it's been interesting to see kind of the trends and what happens. And um, so I do feel like being more aware, it's, but again, like I'm not going to not eat rice. You know, we did homemade hibachi on our flat top and used super clean, organic, wild caught, grass fed, organic ingredients. And you're like, yep, still spike my blood sugar, but I'm going to do it. You know, and I don't feel bad about it because we do things really healthy. 
you know, typically we do more cauliflower rice, but when you just want like a hibachi dupe, like ugh, you can't, cauliflower rice just isn't the same. <laughs> like, but it's, it, you know, it, like, but again, even with, you know, someone like my mom, for example, you know, she can have one that tracks her steps where, you know, she's in the school system and it's one where you're like, okay, what did your day look like? You got up, you went to your car, you sat in your office, you uh, walked around for lunch, not a lot, didn't walk after lunch, got back in your seat, went home, and then you're on the couch and you're like, dang, where there are some days on like a Sunday when I'm like running around, maybe the boys have a wrestling tournament. There was one that I looked at a couple Sundays ago and I was like, you know, you get to the end of the day, I was like, man, my feet hurt. And so I was like, I wonder how many steps I got. And it was like, it was something crazy. It was um, 19,000 steps. Oh, it was, a, it was a Saturday. It was two Saturdays ago. And I got 21,435 steps. You know what I did? Nothing special. <laughs> like, literally nothing special. I was just running around, doing laundry, kid stuff, errands. Yeah, 21, almost 22,000 steps. And you're like, oh, just a Saturday. And then you're like, man, I'm kind of tired. And you're like, it makes sense. Why? So just that one where you can track and other times it was like time to stretch your legs. You're like, well, no, I can't stretch my legs. I'm on a long drive. (laughs) So another one that they looked at is older generations showing a renewed interest in fitness. I think this is so great. Um, This was actually according to the 2023 survey conducted by MindBody. Over half of baby boomers reported prioritizing wellness more than ever. So uh, the surge in enthusiasm for a healthier lifestyle among senior population reflects what we are seeing as a broader societal shift towards understanding the importance of healthy long, healthy aging and longevity. You know, uh, seniors are embracing the idea that it's never too late to start or continue their fitness journey and are reaping more of the mental um, and physical benefits of doing so. Again, working out doesn't necessarily have to be your like, hey, Grandma Joe, uh, you should start your like CrossFit. We're now, let me say that there's a lot of 60, 70 and 80 year olds, not as many year olds in those gyms. And it is awesome. You know, they just modify. But like, listen, I've had an ACL surgery. I've had a couple C-sections because that's the way that was the plan that my babies came out. Not my plan, their plan. Um, Right. So I had to modify things. It's no different than anyone else. But they talked about strength training with lighter weights, resistant bands can help maintain muscle mass and bone density, flexibility exercises, yoga can contribute to range of motion and balance. Um, So and those are ones too. you're like, is an AI coach going to do that for you? Like what? I, uh, I just so that's not but older generations are showing a renewed interest in fitness. And I think that like it's muscle mass. If you don't use it, you will lose it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Hmm. If you want to keep the muscle butt, you got to work on it, right? <laughs> Get it? If, ands or buts. It's a different butt. Uh, expanding workout focus, expanding focus on post-workout recovery. So in 2024, we can expect to witness a significant expansion on post-workout recovery, which I think is great. Um, this again is when you're looking at rebuilding those muscles, there is saunas and ice baths. There's a, there's a decent amount of interest about muscle recovery and athletic performance, uh, with contrast therapy. What that means is it's extreme cold then contrasted with extreme heat, right? 
2013 meta-analysis showed that it helps aid in muscle recovery and reduces soreness after intense workouts, which is why it's very common. There was like a local place that I saw recently here in Indianapolis that has like a fire and ice, and that's what they have. They have an ice bath paired with a sauna. So I didn't look into it too much further, but really great things contrast with like arthritis and joint pain. Um, Though that being said, there's a lot of data-driven approaches when we look at that. And that's kind of the last thing that they really talk about that I really agree with is that individuals are making more informed wellness decisions. This is not a 2024 thing for our office at Greenwood Family Chiropractic. When you come into our office, we do a very um, comprehensive exam and consultation. We go through uh, infrared, surface EMG testing. We look at range of motion, postural abnormalities, weight differential, and then we'll see if we need to do x-rays. If we do, we go through that cost at the time. It is literally, you can, it's very affordable. It's what we charge for x-rays is crazy cheap. Um, But then too, then we sit down and go through, here's what's going on and here's what we think. Insurance, time, cost, out-of-pocket, So you'll always know, but that means that it does take a little bit more time on the front end. I want patients to be more informed. I want to know about how their choices impact their health. I we are transparent about what we think in terms of expectations. And I and I don't want people to just think that this is like a hop on the bandwagon for Greenwood Family Chiropractic. Because when you look at what we do and the education processes that we have, big picture of things is that health is a journey. It's not a destination. So there's not going to be something that you're like, yep, I did cold therapy once and it worked for me forever. I did yoga for me once and it worked forever. I walked once and it worked for me forever. Or maybe it didn't work, right? When people come in, (laughs) we have a a sweet gentleman who has a very substantial scoliosis, is in his mid-late 60s and has been in the office for like three or four weeks and is like, why is my hip not feeling better? Sir, you, you, you have 50 to 60 years of degeneration in your spine. And so it's probably going to take a little bit of time, right? That's like saying, I ate Taco Bell every day for the last 55 years and I've been going to the gym for three weeks and like, where are my abs? And you're like, so that process took time, right? Oh, same thing, right? Uh, had an individual, type 2 diabetes, uh, made some changes. Numbers are trending awesome, still pre-diabetic. And he's like, when am I not going to be pre-diabetic? And you're like, it wasn't like one full cheesecake that you ate or one tub of ice cream or one king size large snicker bars that made you pre-diabetic, right? Like it was consistent choices over the course of time for a long time. And so then we give it like a shot of one or two and they're like, it didn't work. And you're like, well, part of that too. And people are like, don't get adjusted once, get adjusted once. You got to get adjusted forever. And you're like, that's, that's not individuals making informed decisions. Because if you knew that that degeneration is going to continue at 2 to 3% a year and what is seemingly mild lower back pain will be debilitating sciatic pain in 10 years and then you're going to come to me and be like, get me better. And you're like, I can never get you back to the way you were 10 years ago. And you're like, but it wasn't that important because it didn't hurt that bad 10 years ago. And you're like, why? Come in into my office. Hey, how long do you have that toothache? 10 years. Why didn't you come in 10 years ago? Because it didn't hurt that bad. I could put some 
what's the aura gel on it, right? I put some Sensodyne on it and my tooth was fine. And you're like, well, for 10 years, there was just damage withering away, decay happening. And like that happens to your spine too. So people come in all the time. Well, I used to be able to just get one or two adjustments, take some Tylenol and I was good in a, a week or two. And you're like, yep, yeah, but that was 10 years back of degeneration. Now you're 10 years more advanced degeneration because that's all you did. You didn't actually get to the root cause of the problem. You know, so when we actually have those, everything that I will give will always be to ensure that I can empower you guys to understand a little bit more what's going on. I want to give you credible resources. I want to prioritize your health and making those healthcare decisions because you as an adult did that educated and informed, not based out of misinformation, Google or fear, right? Like, Inevitably, that's our goal at Greenwood Family Chiropractic. So if you want to get dive down a little bit more, see what we can do. And if we can help, give us a call. 317-893-2853. 317-893-2853. GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com. That's GreenwoodFamilyChiropractic.com to schedule your initial exam and consultation. Look forward to next week, but always remember that your power is on. <laughs>